Welcome to Building the Future, Freedom, Prosperity, and Foreign Policy, a podcast series focused on updating the United States soft power playbook to meet the hopes and aspirations of developing countries because it's in America's interest to do so. I'm Dan Rundy, Senior Vice President at CSIS. There are a lot of global challenges out there, so let's get started. Welcome to another episode of Building the Future with Dan Rundy. Today, I'm joined by my friend Katie Taylor, who's the Executive Director of the Pan American Development Foundation, PADF. Katie is an international executive deeply devoted to global development and to bringing private sector thinking to complex development challenges. I totally get Katie, and I feel like Katie gets me because that's been a lot of my career has been about that as well. So I'm really happy to be podcasting my friend Katie today. She has extensive experience in the private, public, and nonprofit sectors. She's led national and multi-million dollar organizations living and working across five continents. Among other roles, Katie was previously the general manager of GE Healthcare in Mexico, led GE Capital's satellite and mortgages business development across Latin America, and guided a sales and marketing team for GE Transportation Systems in Brazil. She's a certified master black belt in Lean Six Sigma quality improvement processes. She's fluent in English, Spanish, Portuguese, and French. I know that for a fact because I've been around her long enough or I've seen her use her Portuguese and her Spanish. And so that's, that is totally true. What's not included in this biography is she was Senate confirmed in the Obama administration. She was at, you were in the Global Health Bureau, right? And so you had a, a senior, very senior job at USAID. So she's had big jobs in the private sector, big jobs in government. And she leads, I think, one of the most important social enterprises in the Americas and a really important collective action vehicle for solving big challenges in the Western Hemisphere that brings together the public sector, the private sector, and the nonprofit sector. So she's the perfect person to lead PADF. So, Katie, we're having this conversation in the context of your 60th anniversary. So could you tell us a little bit about how PADF came into existence? Of course, Dan, and thank you for that very kind introduction. Really, really appreciate it because I am just so proud of the Pan American Development Foundation, and we are proud to celebrate our 60th birthday. We've been for 60 years seeking to create a hemisphere of opportunity for all. Now, Dan, there's something you like to say is that we're no longer talking about your grandmother's international development. Well, PADF is a nonprofit organization, and we've been reinventing ourselves virtually every decade. So to answer your question, we were started in 1962 in support of the United States Alliance for Progress, reaching out to all the countries of the Americas. And we were one of the first nonprofit organizations to mobilize public-private partnerships to really help the most vulnerable people of the Western Hemisphere. I mean, we were doing microfinance before it was called microfinance. Wow. You know, that idea that if a villager in, for instance, rural Central America can contribute pennies to a vital community need, like a well for potable water, that's something that can be sustainably financed and maintained. You know, we then expanded on that to foster the creation of national development finance foundations. 
We did that in a number of countries across the hemisphere uh, in the 60s and 70s, and many of those are still thriving today. Then we added poverty alleviation in the 80s and 90s. We expanded to agricultural and rural development. And throughout, we've really been about building local capacity and acting sustainably, working with all the stakeholders that are needed for sustainable development. And during COVID, of course, we again reinvented ourselves. We didn't stop. We kept going. We adapted our program delivery and continued to support the most vulnerable communities with really innovative approaches. And now we're turning 60 and we are a 60 young. (laughs) Give us a sense a little bit more about how you're currently approaching the hemisphere because you operate at scale. Absolutely. I mean, last year we reached over 3.1 million people, more than half whom were women. And and our approach is evidence-based, it's local and sustainable, and it's about partnerships. So on the evidence, our work is driven by impact. And, and of course, informed with the global sustainable development goals, you know, a shared blueprint of how all stakeholders can work together for people, prosperity and planet now and into the future. Locally, not only do we hire predominantly, almost always local staff, it's about being local and sustainable. We believe that sustainable change happens locally and we invest in our local staff, our local partners, working with all the local stakeholders. And in partnerships, it's enabling uh, different sectors and partners to work constructively together, which is, you know, Dan, is not easy. It's hard, yeah. And it requires a lot of investment and time and trust and also iterating. Indeed. So, yes, we seek to work at scale and we seek to work sustainably. And in an ideal world, we hope that there will come a time when we are no longer needed. But right now, the needs are both urgent and long term. PADF has been associated with the Organization of American States. How would you characterize the relationship with the OAS? Thanks for that question, Dan. I like to say it's the best of both worlds. On the one hand, we're a strategic partner and proud affiliate of the OAS. At the same time, we're also, we maintain an independent status as a nonprofit. So the OAS member states, we're there at our founding. The member states of the OAS are the ones who established PADF in support of President John Kennedy's Alliance for Progress. We're also, so although we're a separately legal nonprofit, we are part of the inter-American system of networked organizations. We're committed to the values of the Inter-American Charter of Human Rights and many other documents and it, that expound the values that we support. Uh, the OAS's specific mission is achieving more rights for more people, and that is absolutely part of what we seek to do. So you've got a really great board of directors, and I think it reflects PDF's private sector approach to solving problems in the region. How do you think about the role the private sector plays in your work? Well, Dan, having myself spent 20 years in the private sector, it's foundational. If we want true sustainability, we have to engage not only with private sector actors, but with market and financial dynamics. 
And so private sector is a often used phrase, but it really represents many different sub elements within the private sector. And we work with all of them, with the large companies, whether they're global multinational companies or the so-called multilatinas. These partnerships, they can bring resources and innovation uh, and global and America's best practices to the table to help us reach development goals that we like to co-create. At the same time, we also, for instance, work at the other end of the spectrum with micro and small enterprises. And that's where a lot of the community engagement, entrepreneurial and jobs, job creation gets done. As you know, most job creation comes from micro and small uh, organizations. Now, in Latin America, unfortunately, these are often informal. So there are some challenges to all of that. But throughout, whether it's small, medium, or large private sector partners, they are vital to help us in our strategic goal of promoting sustainable livelihoods. And, and again, sustainable livelihoods, they need to be sustainable financially, environmentally, and socially. So it's, it's an integral part of Another way that we are reinventing ourselves, although it's been part of our founding, it's a new way of looking at it in the 21st century. In many ways, PDF is a very important collective action vehicle for the hemisphere, approaching shared challenges. What are the challenges that you see on the radar screen right now that you're responding to? I am eternally optimistic and hopeful. At the same time, climate change lack of sustainable livelihoods, closing democratic spaces, the rise of both local and transnational crime are all significant challenges facing our region. And we're working on different aspects of all of this. And then beyond those challenges, there are also then the derivative, because all four of these things that I just mentioned contribute, for instance, to migration which has become its own complex challenge to the countries of the region, both those that are losing their population as migrants or refugees or even uh, people who are displaced internally in their own countries, as well as the receiving countries. They face the challenge of how do you receive uh, and, and integrate and care for the human and other rights of the often thousands of migrants who are crossing borders. Uh, and, and we are we work across a number of countries in, in uh, Latin America on migration and both helping the host countries uh, as well as helping the migrants themselves. On climate change, we have many, many different approaches to supporting the countries and communities of the region to build resilience, climate resilience into what they do. Because as you know, we have more and more unpredictable and more uh, destructive extreme weather events that are devastating. So there's a lot we are doing in climate change, as well as, you know, beginning to measure our own carbon footprint, doing things that all uh, organizations that want to lean into fighting climate change need to do. So so that's a, a, a big one. We could talk more about that. Of course, promoting sustainable livelihoods, which I've already mentioned. Uh, how do we 
engage with education, employability, training, entrepreneurship to help uh, create those dignified uh, livelihoods. And then longer term work that we do to promote access to rights and justice, because all of these, as I said earlier, are issues that can contribute to migration and destabilization of communities, societies, countries, and economies. I 100% agree with you. You're right when you said earlier, I like saying it's not your grandparents or your grandmother's developing world. and It's not your grandparents or grandmother's Western hemisphere. And the region's very different compared to 60 years ago when PADF was started. I would argue net-net, it's freer, more prosperous, seen some major improvements in social development and other metrics of development, such as health. So I am net-net an optimist like you and like PADF. Could you talk about some of the progress that's been made? Because I think we often lose sight of the progress. And I think in in your comments earlier about being optimist, I share that. I think some of it may be implicit in that, that there's been some progress made in the region, and I think we shouldn't forget that. Absolutely, Dan. I completely agree with you. There has been huge progress in the last 60 years in, uh, you know, across Latin America. We have improved living standards. We have greater civic participation generally. We have a whole host of civic participation and expansion of human rights in many, many different ways. And these are net-net, to your point. We Generally, people are much better off than they were. Higher nutrition. There are setbacks. There have been setbacks due to the pandemic, due to the challenges we just talked about. But overall, compared to 1962, generally the region is much better off. And we're also much smarter about how we do things. And we have a more nuanced and deeper understanding of marginalization and the need for inclusion if we truly want sustainability. How do we include women? How do we include marginalized and excluded communities, youth, the LGBTQI community, ethnic, racial minorities, indigenous groups, If we really, really want sustainable development, we have to take all that we have learned over the last 60 years and apply it. Because to your point, Dan, we are better off at the same time. My hope is to see the citizens and countries of Latin America live up to their potential because there is so much potential in this region. And that's why at PDF, we really believe in creating a hemisphere of opportunity for all. And that's what we want to help drive. Imagine a Western hemisphere with the GNP per capita of Canada. Exactly. I mean, that's not impossible. And you've seen some countries, Costa Rica, some of Panama, Chile. You could argue there's been significant progress in Colombia in the last 25 years. There have been moments in El Salvador's history in the last 30 years where that that seemed possible. So it is possible. I share your hope that, you know, we live to see that kind of progress. I do think your organization plays a really important role. It's a trusted partner. It's seen as a local organization and collectively as a shared partner. And so I think you're a a go-to partner in the region. I've seen that with my own eyes in various places where your organization, because of your association with the OAS, because you've been around for a long time, because you guys do great work, you're really amazing people. You've convened really, really amazing, talented people. I've seen it with my own eyes. So I, 
I think your organization, as we move forward and respond to some of these challenges, I know you're going to play a real, you know, continue to play a real relevant role in all that. I agree, Dan. I mean, PADF is, you know, we're here for the long term. We only work in the Americas and we believe that the only way forward is for all of us to work together. You know, working with thought partners like you, Dan, probably we probably work with many of the people who are listening to this podcast today because what we do can't be done by any group or any sector alone. And so, you know, an organization like the Pan American Development Foundation that cares deeply about the people of the Americas, cares deeply about the region, that has boots on the ground and local teams, that brings sectors and partners together. I mean, in the last year, we partnered with more than 1,400 organizations, 1,400, yeah. And it's these partnerships that are the future. And, and one of our priorities is to how to leverage these partners further Existing and new partnerships, new innovations, new solutions that can really make the difference because we do not rest on our laurels. As I said at the beginning, we have been reinventing ourselves virtually every decade, and that's what we all need to continue to do. Katie, this is great. I want to congratulate you on PADF 60 years. I'm really happy that you're in this leadership role. I, I couldn't think of a more you know, appropriate person to be leading PADF at this time. I've seen with my own eyes the incredible work you do. I just am really uh, happy to be associated with PADF. I think you're a great institution. I think you're doing really important and, and relevant work. And so I'm just really grateful to have the chance to have this conversation with you today. I want to congratulate you on 60 years, and I'm looking forward to working with you going forward. So congratulations. Thank you, Dan. Oh, merci. Gracias. Obrigada. <laughs> Muito obrigado. Muy amable. Thank you. Thanks, Katie. I really appreciate it. It's, it's always great to see you. Please tell everyone at PADF I send my best regards and congratulations. Thank you, Dan. We appreciate you and all our partners. If you enjoyed this podcast, check out our larger suite of CSIS podcasts from Into Africa, The Asia Chessboard, China Power, AIDS 2020, The Trade Guys, Smart Women, Smart Power, and more. You can listen to them all on major streaming platforms like iTunes and Spotify. Visit csis.org slash podcasts to see our full catalog 